Welcome to More to the Point, the extended interviews between KGB Texas Communications and innovative leaders working to create positive consequence in our communities. We hope you find them inspiring and informative. In today's episode, we sit down with Billy Hamilton, Deputy Chancellor and Chief Financial Officer of the Texas A&M University System. Hamilton is responsible for the development, implementation, and coordination of the Texas A&M University System Office's operations, plans, goals, programs, policies, and services with special attention to the management of financial operations. Together, we discuss COVID-19's impact on higher education, top priorities for Texas A&M as we transition out of the pandemic, and the work the university is doing to reduce the spread of COVID-19 and provide vaccines through its public education campaign. I hope you'll enjoy our conversation with Billy Hamilton. Well, Billy, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Um, Wish we could be in person and I look forward to actually being able to meet you um, soon in person, but thank you again for joining me today. Uh, Glad to be here. Well, let's just go ahead and and get right to the point. And my first question for you today, just out of curiosity more than anything, is, you know, the pandemic really impacted higher education um, last year. And and I know Texas A&M made some significant changes. What type of changes were made to adapt to the pandemic? And then what do you see as changes um, as the incoming uh, fall semester is approaching? Well, we made, the, I mean, the biggest change we made uh, and really the most in, unanticipated one was to take all of our classes in all of our system schools online in an eight-day space. And uh, that was quite a technological challenge, uh, but it, it, it seemed necessary since everyone was going to be at home for some period of time or back and forth between there and school. So students had the option, they could attend in person and, uh, or, or they could be online. We also enhanced the cleaning and air filtration. Um, we began monitoring affluence to try to keep an eye on what was going on on campus. Uh, of course, we offered refunds on dorms and food for students who uh, you know, went home or, or left the dorms, uh, made financial aid available through federal funds and our own funds for, uh, for students who were impacted. Uh, and finally, I, you know, we, we as a system were critical to the response. Our public health uh, school uh, and our agencies, the Division of Uh, emergency management, the forest service, extension service, they've all pitched in uh, to move commodities around the state, to deliver testing supplies and do all that. So it was really an amazing, amazing response on the part of the system. Wow, that is incredible. I mean, I didn't even really think about it in terms of beyond the the education side of things, but um, the response Right. We had probably 1,500 people in the system working on the statewide response. Wow. And uh, it, you know, not to mention what was going on on campus. Right. Yeah. Right. 
Well, that kind of leads into the second question that I had too, is I think Texas A&M is the largest US college that's participating um, in the national study that's evaluating COVID-19 in, in college students. And I think, you know, you all are participating with the White House and the Department of Education and what's called the College Vaccine Challenge. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about that and kind of the, the public um, education component to that. Well, a, those are a couple of things. One is the study, which is an, a national study to understand how the disease, you know, now and in the future affects people in that young age bracket. Um, because a lot of them were asymptomatic, but, uh, you know, we don't know what the long-term health effects are. So it's an entirely voluntary thing that participants are paid uh, for their participation. Uh, no one has to be in it. No one has to be vaccinated, all those kind of things. But they want to do something uh, to help the country in the future. And, and so, you know, we've, we've had a good, like 400 people volunteer. Uh, one of the priorities of the chancellor and the board was to make testing widely and easily available on campus and to make vaccinations widely and easily available on campus. And, you know, the challenge, the White House challenge is a part of that outreach effort. It's, you know, provides education, it provides uh, any kind of information people know, need to make an informed choice about uh, getting vaccinated, and then to make sure through the Health Science Center and through the, you know, what's known as the Quack Shack Student Health Services, that they can easily get a vaccine uh, anytime they want. And, and that, that program is ongoing, you know, as we head into the fall. Okay. Okay. That's, um, that's great. Are there many other um, colleges or universities in the state of Texas that are all, also participating? No, I don't know the answer to that. I know it's a, the study is uh, spread out across uh, colleges and universities across the country. I think it comes out of the University of North Carolina. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, part of it is just who's willing to do it. And like I said, the system was heavily involved in the pandemic and the response and trying to keep our students and faculty safe. And, uh, you know, just a natural extension of that. And, and it's also part of the whole laggy credo of service. And, uh, you know, I'm very proud of the young people who decided to do it. That's amazing. Amazing. Um, another kind of, of fallout from the pandemic, too, was just a dramatic drop in both um, minority and international student enrollment, not obviously not um, at, at just at A&M, but across the board, across the country. So really, tell me what the, the system has done to align with um, learning preferences and addressing those challenges. Well, I mean, we've been offering courses online. And as far as the international students go, uh, you know, that may have been a choice if they happen to have left the country to go to their own homes because travel between countries was so difficult for much of last year. And, uh, you know, there were other students who had to go home uh, because of financial pressures. Maybe someone in the family lost a job because of the pandemic, one thing and another. So, you know, one of the things we've done is provide an enormous amount of aid 
uh, to students uh, to, you know, to help bridge any gaps that are there. And then, you know, we've been providing the online resources that they need to continue their education. Although, as Chancellor Sharp says, you can get an education online, but you can't become an Aggie online. So, you know, that's why we want them to all come back in the fall. And as an Aggie mom, I couldn't agree with you more. And I couldn't agree with the chancellor more. When I saw that email, I was like, absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so let's not talk about the pandemic anymore. I think we're all probably tired of talking about the pandemic, but um, shifting to more forward thinking to and, and forward facing, um, what, what are the pr top priorities of the system for 2022? Well, I think to get everybody, not that you can, I guess we can't escape it exactly, but we want to get everyone back on campus. We want to resume intercollegiate athletics. We want to resume in-face classes, uh, but we want to do it in a way that's as safe as possible. So, you know, we, we're continuing some things like cleaning and, and uh, prepping, you know, rooms and things like that. And, and you know, if someone wants to might wear a mask, they're certainly, uh, you know, they certainly won't, won't say no. So keep the students safe. Uh, beyond that, I think we want to continue our, our mission, uh, which is education, research, and service. Um, we want to keep costs down. Uh, that's an important factor for students. And, you know, part of our mission is to serve all the students in Texas that want to be, you know, have a higher education degree at one of our institutions. Uh, and, and, you know, the board made a policy some years ago that allows parents and students to freeze tuition for four years. Uh, it's a little bit more costly on the upside, but it saves money in the long run, and it makes it very predictable what the cost of their education will be. Uh, and, you know, we want to continue to be leaders in research. That's why we put so much effort on our RELIS campus uh, in Bryan, where Army Futures Command and their things are located. Right, right. That's a beautiful campus. Beautiful. Oh, I'm glad I'm glad you got to see it. Yes, yes. Great um, fireworks show last week. <laughs> <laughs> so then I guess my last question too, again, just looking forward is what do you envision for the growth of the system um, across the state of Texas? Kind of what are the, what are the, the plans for that growth? Well, unlike most college and university systems, we continued to grow during the pandemic. And uh, I'm not sure how to explain that, except that the, uh, I guess, extended A&M system family is full of kids that want to get a good education and, you know, contribute in the future. And uh, we want to continue to look for innovative ways to reach those young people and adults and anyone else who needs a college education or workforce training or anything like that. So, you know, that's why we've opened a satellite campus to AM and McAllen uh, for students who want to come to AM but don't necessarily want to leave uh, South Texas. That's why uh, we have uh, a Tarleton facility in Fort Worth. That's why the engineering college has offered engineering academies uh, in 
locations across the state, which is, you know, cheaper for parents and, and students, uh, but also, you know, allows the growth in engineering. So the, the issue is not how large physically the system becomes. The critical thing is that we continue to expand uh, to meet the needs of the students. And Texas has a growing population. I mean, it's a, it's a great state. Everybody wants to come here uh, and we want them to have a great education when they come. Absolutely. Well, I think it definitely embodies and, and encompasses the spirit of the state of Texas and um, just very, very blessed and happy that we've got one, one that's there and, and hopefully one on its way. So um, is, there anything, is there anything else that you um, want to cover or that maybe? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I mean, the thing I sort of wrote down here is that I think it's pretty much Chancellor Sharp's mantra and so we all have to have it, uh, you know, tattooed on our back, but I won't show you that. No, that's, that's a joke. <laughs> so we want to continue to grow. We want to continue to innovate and we want to continue to serve the state and its families. And I, I think we keep that center most. I know the board does and the chancellor does. And, uh, you know, I think, I think if we stick to that, we can't go wrong. Absolutely. And to fulfill the growing, as you said, the growing population that we have. Everyone wants to come here. Right. right. And we need to make sure that we're training a workforce that meets the needs of all these businesses that are coming. Yes, absolutely. Couldn't agree with that statement more. Well, thank you again for your time today. I sure well, thanks appreciate for having it. Me. And it's been enjoyable having a conversation and um, just have a oh, wonderful absolutely. day. Yeah, I'd say hi when you're in Austin, you're in College Station. I absolutely will. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to More to the Point. If you have any questions about this episode or want to learn more about our company, please visit us at kgbtexas.com or email us at podcast at kgbtexas.com.